word of God is light. It is light. It actively works. It is effective. It penetrates. It rejuvenates. Oh my, oh my. An encounter with God's word is life changing. It is life enhancing. You are listening to a podcast by Prophet Komezu Shamin. Now, in Titus chapter number 1 verse 2, the Bible shows us something about God. And what is this thing that we can learn about God? It says that God cannot lie. Somebody say God cannot lie. He cannot lie. In short, he has the capacity, he has the power to show forth and even bring forth uh, results in a way that we actually will experience victory. He cannot lie. In fact, the declaration of saying God cannot lie is showing him that he is all-powerful. In fact, any person that can be declared as a liar or any person that can, is declared as a liar functions in a realm of failure because lies are, are dimensions of failures. Hallelujah. But yet again, for the Bible to say God cannot lie, this is just to show us the kind of capabilities that he has, which are so great, which are so powerful. And by the word, by, rather by the spirit of God, we want God to really help us. How can we really engage in him so that we win in these tough times? As it stands, there are different odds that we are exposed to. There are odds that we're exposed to in the natural world. I don't know how it is with how it's going in your families, but for some of you, there are certain odds which simply show that mm, perhaps a millionaire cannot come out of this family. Those are just odds. For others, your lives are surrounded by so much sickness, and the odds actually show that mm, it seems like this is going to be carried on from generation to generation. But even though the odd is against you, showing that you are losing under the odd two to one, I'm reminded that God is able to bring one plus one and still make it one. So he's able to change results. He's able to change certain things. And we're going to look at a few people in the light of the scriptures that will actually help us walk in this. So number one, I said, God cannot lie. And number two, God declares that nothing is too hard for him. So if God declares that nothing is too hard for him, even if the odds are against you, they have to change. Now, what are the arenas, quickly, because I want us to, to do something else. What are the arenas that really we need God's involvement? One of the arenas that I've laid out is number one, circumstances. Circumstances are one of the arenas that cause us to know and to actually uh, deal with... Uh, yeah, the, Circumstances are actually arenas that show us how we can stand firm in life and also expose whether we are doing well or not. Some of the circumstances that you are actually going through, some of you, is that it's not really your fault that you are found in those circumstances. I'll give you an example. Imagine if you were born in, from a very poor background or a background that is filled with so many curses. Have you observed that those circumstances that you are going through is not necessarily your fault? It wouldn't be your fault if you were born from drinking milk to drinking water. Just that. No food. That's not your fault. Hallelujah. Never your fault. Other circumstances that are out there. Could you give me a, a corded mic, please?
Okay. Somebody say, no weapon fashioned against this service shall prosper. Yeah, as every, all the media personnel have run away. Very interesting. Anyway, let's go ahead. As I've said, circumstances are things that it's, it may not really be our fault that we are going through it. But the fact that we are going through that circumstance, we need to find a way how to actually get out of it. Like I said, some of you it might be poverty, some of you it might be sickness, some of you it might be matters of the heart. It's a circumstance. It's not like you just said my heart is going to be broken. No. But the fact that you are in that circumstance, we need to see is there a way where I can actually come out of this circumstance? Is there a way where I can actually stand firm? Is there a way where I can actually become victorious? in this let's look at a few people that the bible shows us they found themselves in certain circumstances but god actually came through for them number one there's a man in the bible by the name of jabez and we find his story in first chronicles chapter number four verse nine. First chronicles chapter number four and verse nine wonderful. The Bible says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother name, uh, his mother called his name Jabez, saying because I bore him in pain. You, you will notice from the Old Testament, many people would love to name their children based on certain circumstances. Like for example, the name Isaac came because uh, he brought laughter and Isaac means laughter All right, he brought laughter to the household and there is another uh, child uh, this is one of the daughters of of Eli okay? when there were so many things that were happening and the ark of the covenant was stolen when she gave birth she named her child Ichabod meaning the glory has departed and when she named the child, she also died. So there were a lot of activities that would happen in the Bible that would influence name calling. Now, it seems like the mother of Jabez was from East... <coughs> was from... Uh, the mother of Jabez was from a lovely province that she named Jabez, Jabez. Jabez simply means a person that causes pain and sorrow. Imagine naming your child that. Pain, pain, sorrow, 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 pain, pain. And she gave him that name. The reason she gave him that name is because she experienced pain. She bore him in pain. But the question is, what did Jabez do really to deserve such a name? It was not his fault. But he found himself in such a place. He found himself picking up an identity which he should not pick up. Imagine being stamped with an identity of sorrow over your life. Yet the Bible tells us in the next verse, in chapter number, in verse 10, yeah. The Bible says, Jabez noticed that mm -mm, I'm living in a wrong identity. There's something that needs to change in my life. All the odds in my life are showing that I need only to communicate. I only need to communicate pain and sorrow. And these are the things that need to surround me. But the Bible shows us that Jabez decided. He says, mm -mm, I know my mother can give me a name. But I know there is someone who can change names. I know someone who has got a greater authority to give significance to me. So what does he do? The Bible says in verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel. He says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. What was he trying to say? He was saying, The reason why I am not functioning in a blessing is because I've been told to walk in the reality of sorrow. But the only thing that's going to deal with sorrow is when the blessing comes upon me. And when the, when the blessing comes upon me, no curse is permitted to stand. And so he prays and he says, Oh Lord, bless me. Alright? And then when he says, Bless me, he goes on to say, Enlarge my territory. I need a passport, Lord. 
Meaning, <laughs> there are certain things that I'm able to contact. I'm making movements, but not making progress. So, Lord, enlarge my territory. And he goes on to say that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. In short, he was crying out, change my story. Change my story. And the Bible says, so God granted him what he requested. There's a God that changes stories. There's a God that changes circumstances. And some of you may be in a place where you're experiencing things like Jabez. Experiencing circumstances which are not your fault that you are in them. The Bible shows us if you can only get back to God who cannot lie and whom declares nothing is difficult for him, pain is wiped away. What am I here to say? If you are in pain today, you don't have to remain in it. You don't have to. Despite the odds, you don't have to. Say, my story is changing. The Bible also shows us another man who had his circumstances changed. In Romans chapter number 4 and verse 19. And this man is named Abraham. Romans 4 verse 19 and the Bible says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years of age and the deadness of Sarah's womb. The Bible tells us that Abraham and Sarah did not have a child. And even when they reached a hundred years of age, despite reaching that, even despite him reaching that place, the Bible shows us that he still did not have a child. Yet God decides to show up against all odds. And he says, I'm going to give you a child. You're going to have a child. Don't worry. Now, for Abraham to receive such an instruction, or for Abraham to receive, yes, such an instruction from God, obviously he should say, mm, Lord, is this even possible? I am a hundred years of age. How, how possible is it that I'm going to win in this situation? How possible is it? It seemed like God was saying, today Zambia will win Brazil 10-0. I'm like, ha, ah, how? But the response of Abraham was not necessarily a how. The response of Abraham was not necessarily a, it's not possible. The Bible shows us that even not being weak, he, he was not weak in faith. Even though he was weak in the body, he was not weak in faith. He says he was not weak in faith and he did not consider his own body already dead. Meaning it was dead. But he didn't consider it dead. <laughs> it was dead, but he didn't consider it dead. Then the Bible says, since he was about a hundred years, and then the Bible says, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Meaning the womb was dead, but they just didn't consider how did they know that Sarah's womb was dead? Is what is known as menopause. They knew. They knew, ah, madam, your womb is dead. It's not possible. But the Bible shows us Abraham did not stagger in faith. Even though he experienced what he was experiencing, he held on to what God had said. And against odds, God brought laughter in their life by giving them an Isaac. Circumstances. We find another person that we can give an example. Her name is Esther. Hadassah. The Bible shows us something as we study the book of Esther. But before Esther comes on scene, there is a queen in power by the name of Queen Vashti. Even though she is a queen, remember, if you have a crown, remember to maintain that crown. 
Queen Vashti was serving as a queen, but the Bible tells us that in her capacity she decided to be rebellious against the king. And so because of that, the Bible reveals to us that she was demoted. So a new queen needed to come. So even before we talk about a new queen, let's also point out that the fact that this old queen left the throne is because of her behavior. Turn to your neighbor and say behavior. And so because of behavior, she left the throne. She, she was kicked out. And so the king at that time needed another queen. And it so happened that there was an Esther within that kingdom. But there is something that you need to understand about Esther. Number one, Esther had no parents. She was an orphan. Both mother and father were not there. Was it her fault? No. Not her fault. But she was in that circumstance. She was just being kept. Not the best way you want to be kept. Not the best way you want things to go in your life. But this was the reality of Esther. What what, what does the Bible show us? The Bible shows us by the favor of God she is handpicked amongst many other beautiful people so that they can take the position they can contest and take the position of the queen this one was very serious it was not like Solomon Solomon would have gotten everyone but for this king he wanted one (laughs) so the competition was tough And for her, obviously she was going to begin to think and say to herself, maybe I shouldn't, uh, you know, go for it. Because one one of the other disadvantages is that she was not really a citizen of that place. So you're not a citizen. Not only are you not a citizen, you've got no one to support you, no one to be with you, no one to encourage you. A tough situation. But the Bible shows us something that Esther kept doing. Despite her current circumstances, she kept pressing. She never told herself, you know what, I'm going to give up with life. Because these are the odds that are working against me. She kept pressing. She kept being diligent. She kept being obedient. The Bible tells us she began to pursue even in beauty. She kept keeping herself well, combing her hair. Uh, I don't know if you're getting this. Combing her hair. Her makeup properly, properly. She kept, despite her circumstance. Some people, when they're in certain circumstances, it's like they end the contract with their hair, their face, their bathroom. It's... that was not the case for Esther. She labored in beauty and in obedience. That's beauty with honor. Vashti only had beauty and rebellion. But beauty will not keep you in the palace. She labored in that. The Bible tells us she was the first person that won the first Miss Universe. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. And that's how she entered the palace. Became a queen. And remained there. Because she did not forget the very things that took her there. Hallelujah. I'm here to show you and tell you that circumstances will be very diverse. I'm here to explain to you that there are so many things that sometimes you're going to go through in life which will not be your fault. But your posture really matters despite going through those circumstances. And like these three, 
their greatest posture was to keep trusting in God. We will never stop explaining and declaring how it is so important for us to trust in God. No, we will not. Why? Because if you can trust in him despite the odds that are working against you. Like Abraham, you have you'll be from no child to having a child. Like Esther, from a frown to a crown. Your circumstance will change. Number two, there, there is another facet where we, we can actually believe for God to do a turnaround apart from our circumstances. Number two, it is in our battles. When you read and study the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 17 and verse 33, the Bible actually shows us that there was a man by the name of David who found interest in seeing why Israel. And when he noticed that, he said, I'm going to fight Goliath. Why? Because no one was ready to fight him. But listen to to what King Saul said to David. The Bible says, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. Saul was telling David, You are not qualified. I'm sorry. You are a youth. Yet this man has been fighting from his youth. He is a champion. I'm sorry. He told him, really? He says, I'm sorry. You can't go. But there was no one to go. (laughs) At least David was willing to go. They tried putting up the armory on David. It was heavy for him. He lifted the sword. The sword was heavy for him. Doesn't Saul have the right to say, Look, who can go nyamla sword? You think you can kill Goliath? You're failing to put on an armor. You think you can kill Goliath? Isn't that the reason why the Bible tells us that Goliath talked to David and says, You are only a boy with sticks? But despite the odds, there is something that David knew that his forefathers understood Abraham, Isaac and Jacob they understood that their advantage is God and so David said okay despite these odds I'm still going for that I'm still going for the battle I'm still going to fight despite me being disqualified despite me not doing or rather being considered to be a useless, an underdog, I am going for it. And that's the right approach to actually take. Because some of you are fighting battles. Battles here and there. Battles from your mother's side, witchcraft. Battles from your father's side, idol worship. Battles from your school, jealousy. But everywhere battles. And you even feel like if I was in the Old Testament, they would have called me battlefront. Something like that. So many battles. You come to your health, battle. You come to your dream, battle. You, you wake up, battle. But I, I know, I, I, this may be relating with some of you, but despite the battles and despite you seeming to be an underdog you need to understand that there is a place where you can actually go against the odds and win that battle by engaging a certain advantage in your life 
And that's why David when fighting his battle he was so confident and he says for me I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. I'm fighting you by putting on God himself. Let's see if you can beat me you giant. You call yourself a giant. I am a giant killer. You call yourself a mountain. I walk with the one that levels mountains. Let's go. Let's fight. Against the odds. Hey. But you see, I tell you this. Odds are in different realms. The first realm is in the natural realm. When you hang on to the odds that are in the natural realm, you are actually losing. But when you say today no, I'm not hanging on to the odds that are in the natural realm, but I'm going to hang on to the odds that are in the spiritual realm and hang on to God, your odds changes. The statistics change. Because when you hang on to the odds of the natural world, hey, you are losing. But when you decide to hang on to the odds from God, ah, your story has to change. That's why the psalmist is able to say, mm, as long as I have God, when a thousand fall on my side, ten thousand on my right hand, ah, they can't come near me. Why? Because I've got a different odd while I'm standing with God. Hallelujah. Battles. You will face battles in life. But you have to understand and also decide that I am going to stand with what the Lord will say. Number three. In your pursuit for success or your, prof- your professions. So number one was your circumstances. Sometimes there are certain things that you find yourself being in a place where you the odds are against you in your battles. Sometimes the odds are against you. But even in your pursuit to success and in your professions, you'll find that sometimes the odds are against you. Some of you desire to complete your courses. But it seems like the odds that are against you are number one, schools are closing, no school fees, no, pro, no, no proper environment for you to actually think well. Mental health issues. The odds are so strong. And you have to understand, even Jesus said it. He says, I am telling you this, not even to scare you, but that you may have peace. In this world, there will be many troubles. But don't worry, I have overcome them. That's what he says. He says, the odds will be against you. But my ticket will never fail. Ah. <laughs> Glory to God. No, that one is only for polar bed people. <laughs> Those are the ones who can understand. <laughs> Glory to God. So in your professions, there are these many uh, circumstances that you may encounter, these many things that are standing in your way. But there's a certain mindset that you you need to get to have. The Bible tells us of a man by the name of Peter and his profession was a fisherman. Great fisherman. Profession. Those were the fishermen they knew those days. But on one occasion the Bible shows us that they went fishing in their professionality. But when they went fishing they couldn't catch fish. Didn't they know that fish is found in this sea? They knew. They knew this is where you find fish. They knew this is the right time to go. And so they decided to go at night where the fish love to settle by the surfaces. They understood all those dyna- dynamics. But the Bible shows us that whilst pursuing that success in trying to catch fish, they failed to catch not even a single fish. There is failure and then there is what they actually experienced. 
Imagine if it was an exam, at least watengako 10%. Them zero. Yet the Bible says they spent the whole night. A hard working failure. Hey. But I thank God. The Bible shows us the next day <laughs> they didn't pack their boats. They were washing their nets. Why? They were ready for round two. That's why even when Jesus said, take your nets for a catch again, it was easy for them to say, we didn't catch anything but, surely. Because why? We want to catch. Imagine if you had experienced a result more like Peter, maybe in your education. Some of you, maybe you find that you are doing medicine, but first level, one car exam gives you 20%. And then you say, mm. maybe medicine was not for me. You go to accounts. Accounts, you find management accountants. And it also gives you a very powerful one. And when it gives you a powerful one, you say, ah, maybe not accounts. <laughs> Uh, uh, this is a sign they call (laughs) there is oil on my head uh, not on the pen so I need to pursue my pastoral calling yeah and when you do that you find also Obusa you are trying to cast out demons demons are the ones which are casting you out and you say, no, maybe I just rushed too fast. You know. <laughs> so, Peter is pursuing his success. He's pursuing his profession and his career, but he didn't find anything. But the Bible tells us, a man that changes odds appeared on scene. And he didn't say, ah, what were you doing? He didn't ask for that. Didn't say what were you doing? He knew what they needed. He just appears on scene and says, Throw your nets again. Why? I have said so. My ticket never fails. And they do that. The Bible says when they threw their nets for a catch, they caught such a big amount of fish that they discovered that the boat that they had to fill in the fish was not enough. They signaled other partners, bring your boats. And when they brought those boats, both boats were so filled with fish that the boats started to start sinking. And they said, mm, Lord, who are you? That's what Peter says. He says, get away from me. I'm a sinner. Get away from me. What you are carrying has changed the odds in my life. I'm telling you. There was a time I know I, I grew up bright, but there was a time where because of my health it started affecting my academics so badly that from about grade 3 I think to about grade 6, the results that I attend were bad. I thank God at such an age, you have no choice but to finish school. You can't say I'm dropping out. <laughs> In whose house? <laughs> Certainly not. But I felt like, what am I doing? One, I, I still remember till today, the worst I ever attained is being third from last. There's the one that closes the door. There's the one that says, we're about to close the door. And the one that says, hurry up, it's time to close the door. I'm the one, that one. <laughs> I said, hurry up. Hallelujah. And Seeing those results, I was so disappointed. 
I said, Lord, but I know I'm very clever. I know I'm very sharp. But why are these things happening to me? Nevertheless, I prayed over it. And I said, help me grow in my academics. May these odds change. Ah, ah. Things started changing. By the time I reached grade 7, mock exam, I was second in class. Now, from third, hmm, the one who was saying, hurry up, we're about to close. To second, where <laughs> someone has entered and said, hey, it's me, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next in line. I got to secondary school. When I got to secondary school, the whole grade eight, just kidding, one, 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 one. And from, if you actually see my statistics from secondary, every year I was getting an award. Every year. Then I says, this is who I am. But the odds have changed in my favor. What am I saying? Are you facing tough circumstances in your academics, in your pursuit for success? Perhaps it's work. Every job that you're getting, maybe they're paying you 500 kwacha. Don't worry. For you, your mindset should be, even though this is going on right now, I know there's going to be a change. Because God is able to change odds. In 2 Kings chapter number 7, get on the mic, get on the keyboard, Deacon Oman. In 2 Kings chapter number 7, verse 1 to 2, the Bible shows us how there was a change in the economy. By that time, there was, there was, there was a, a, a tough time. Now, in first, Second Kings chapter number 7, verse 1, the Bible says, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sowed for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, what's very interesting is that <laughs> At this time, the economy was very, very bad. So for Elisha to say the dollar is dropping, it was not making sense. Ah, it was not making sense. He says, by this time tomorrow, I'm not going to be tempted. I've refused. <laughs> I will not be tempted. I've refused. He says, by this time tomorrow, <laughs> Shall be, a, a fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. <laughs> and two shares of barley for a shekel. And then the next verse, the Bible says this. Focus, focus, focus. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Give me another, give me, give me NLT or something for, for the purpose of understanding. Yeah, the officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. What? Why? The odds were too strong. An economy can't change in one day. The odds were too strong. The dollar can't drop just like that. Focus. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it because you are failing to acknowledge that my God can change odds. Failing. And the Bible tells us in verse 16, Verse 16. 
Then people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a seer of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now, when you read between this, <laughs> from verse 2 to verse 16, how the economy changed was very funny. Very funny activities that were going on. Very funny activities. That's for you to actually read. But the Bible shows us the next day, it dropped. And a, shep- a, a, and a seer of fine flour was sold for one shepherd. change. But how did it change? According to the word of the Lord. Are you seeing the consistency in one that is changing odds? Somehow it's not, it's got nothing to do with anyone else but with God only. Now, I want to show you something as I'm concluding. Why is it that we are seeing God involve himself in such ways from the lives of Esther, the lives of, of Joseph, the lives of many people? Why are we seeing God get him, himself involved in such ways? First of all, you need to understand that everyone that saw a success or everyone that saw their odds that were unfavorable for them change to favorable odds. The Bible actually shows us that in, in the, the common factor is that God was with all of them. The common factor was what? God was with all of them. Remember concerning Joseph. The Bible says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. So even though you throw him in a pit... Even though you throw him in prison, you can't stop him from getting to the throne. Why? Because the Lord was with Joseph. That's why every time you find him, there'll be even like a progress. When he's in the house of Potiphar, he's elected as leader. When he goes to prison, he's in charge of the prisoners. Ah, I'm like, this guy, what's happening? When you look at Jabez's story changing, he said, Lord, Bless me, enlarge my territories, but go with me. Meaning, I I don't want this to happen without you. People like Moses declared that I'm not going until you go with me. Show me your glory. I'm not moving. And many other people, the change in odds is because they demanded for God's presence but not only demanded for God's presence, they acknowledged his presence. They were aware of his presence. It's so sad that now we have people who declare themselves Christians, but everything they do is outside of God. Everything they choose to make a decision, they don't even inquire from the Lord. For them it's okay, even if the Lord is not there. Like that, ah... There is no winning against the odds. There is, your, your story can't change like Esther. It can't. And I'm going to show you why. Remember the Bible says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. That simply means prosperity was not measured by what he had, but who he had. It was the who he had that made him prosperous, not what he had. So there are so many people that can declare and say, I have this, I have that, I have this, I have that. But you, if you are so bold and say, but I have God, that's a great advantage. That's why the psalmist is able to say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Ali naine, yeah. Ali naine, yes. Yeah.
What is your demand for God when odds are against you? How much do you declare that God be on your side when odds are against you? Because it's the presence of God that is your actual advantage in life. They that move with God, they that know God, you can't shake them. For them, as long as they know that God is moving with them, situations will definitely change. So first of all, we see God's involvement in changing odds because the Bible actually shows us when He is with us, things will actually change. But the second reason why we also get to see God involve Himself is because God also has a desire to reveal himself. God has a desire to expose and reveal himself in a certain reality. And that's why you will notice from so many scriptures, God loves to say, do this and do that. Then you will know, I am God. So he he loves to reveal himself. There are so, so many scriptures But it's sad in these days we are replacing that we may know he is God too. Then you will know that I am a prophet. Then you will know that I am a man of... You need to to have (laughs) you need to have serious strength to take up the name I am. Careful. Then you will know that I am, I am, I am a prophet. I am. In fact, when the Bible is actually revealing concerning that you'll notice concerning maybe servants of God or prophets it doesn't necessarily talk about revealing their identity the Bible will talk about then you will know that there is a prophet among you there is a prophet what? among you but it's not necessarily re- re- revealing his name why, why does it say then you will know that there is a prophet among you it's because the prophet has a message but he is not the message What is that message? The message is, then you will know I am God. So God loves to reveal himself. And one of the reasons why even he changed the economy in one day is, is, is <laughs> he got to reveal himself in a very wonderful way. In Second Kings chapter number 7, verse 6 verse, and to verse 7, the Bible shows us how this economy changed. Because what had happened is that they ended up, Israel ended up uh, squandering the riches of the Arameans. Right. So, what this, look at what God did. Not the Israelites, but God. The Bible says, For the Lord had caused the army of Syrians to hear noise of chariots and noise of horses. The noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Next verse. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And that's how Israel seized everything. And then the dollar dropped. Why? Because God ambushed them in a very interesting way. Imagine a camp that is like this. It's an enemy of God. And then immediately we start hearing horses and chariots. And a mighty army. The Bible says he made them hear noises, but there was no army. He made them hear chariots, but there were no horses. And they said, Mm-mm, Israel has hired people. What do we do? Let's run away. This is one of my favorite battle stunts. Oh Lord, may you cause noise hey, to the ears of my enemies. And the Bible tells us the next day things changed. So he was revealing himself as a mighty God. Who can you attribute this victory to? 
Someone cannot even say Elijah or Elisha, you prophesied. No. God did it himself single-handedly to reveal himself. Now, why does he want to reveal himself? I want you to get this very, very clearly. In your story, there has to be a facet of God's glory. In your story, God wants his glory to be revealed. In your life, God wants his glory to be revealed. Because if your, if your life does not have the glory of God revealed, you will say, Ish, I'm doing well. You will never say, Mm-mm, this is the finger of God. You will never give God the praise if your story has got no God's glory in it. You will never. The Bible shows us in, in, in also in the book of Judges that Gideon is called because at, at that time uh, Israel was captured by the Midianites for seven years. Seven years, can you imagine? They were slaves. And then God appears to Gideon and says, Gideon, mighty man of war. This is now God is trying to free Israel from Midian. He says, Gideon, mighty man of war. And Gideon says, ah, are you talking to me, sir? He says, yes, you mighty man of war. And the Bible actually shows us how God actually arranges and uh, positions Gideon to make an army that will fight uh, the Midianites for them to win. Okay. Now, at that time, the Midianites, I think their army was about 135,000. Can you imagine? 135,000. Yet Gideon managed to make an army of 10,000 or 22,000 yeah 32,000 against the 135,000 and they said ah no the Lord has said so already they were against the odds so when they get to that place where now they are positioned to go 32,000 against 135,000 God says ah Lord we are already he says, you are too much. You are too many. And the Bible shows us that that army had to be cut down. Less by 22,000. And so they remained 10,000. And they started. 10,000 against 135,000. Let's just say goodbye to our wives and everything. Because... Mm, 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 mm. 10,000 against 135,000. That's so much. And when they reach the rivers, God says, Ah, Mwapakisa, you are a lot. And Gideon obviously, obviously now wants to say, You see, this is the enemy trying to speak to me. I didn't hear, I didn't hear that. He says, You are too many. And God cut down the army to 300. 300. He says, you started against the odds. It has resulted in still you having the odds against you. But I will give you the victory. The Bible shows us God with 300 men. Hey! 300 men gave them victory against the Midianites. And now I understand why writers will say, really, it's not by power. Really, it's not by might. But it's by the Holy Ghost. God revealing himself in such circumstances. Sometimes, watch your life. The reason why stories are not changing in your life is because you are hindering God's glory to manifest here you are, you are overwhelmed. Instead of running to God to bring forth a new solution in your life that His glory is revealed and you give Him praise, you say, Ah, let me sort out my life. Mosan Kambisa, Dikon Samuel blocked, Dikon Shani blocked, leaves church group. I'm busy. So, what are you doing? You are declaring yourself as the person who should initiate glory. That's why your story is not changing. 
in those times where you are against the odds you are ready to put god aside to sort out your story that's why his glory is not being revealed in your life that's why his glory is not manifesting in your life but if you can come to a place where you are experiencing a situation and say lord reveal your glory ah you will be shocked how your story will change you get excited that's why that's why there are certain things when certain things happen i get excited find ah a bad news has happened i say hey my goodness i wonder what god is up to now why because in everyone's story god wants his glory to be revealed and this is the thing that happened to lazarus in in the story of lazarus john 11 verse 3 to 4 john 11 verse 3 to 4 oh yeah awesome now the bible shows us that lazarus was sick and therefore the sisters of lazarus sent to jesus and they said lord behold he whom you love is sick it was a very attractive <laughs> it was a very attractive you know a plea for jesus to come jesus the one you love is sick can you come but in verse 4 the bible shows us something when jesus heard He said this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that the son of man may be glorified He says I want to for this one in this story we want God's glory to be revealed and that the son of man may be glorified Maybe put it up in NIV maybe you understand it in a way that people explain to you look at what he says when jesus heard this jesus said this sickness will not end in death mm-hmm. did they tell you it will end in tears jesus said this sickness will end will not end in death he's he's talking about lazarus meaning if lazarus dies that's not the end Ah He says this sickness will not end in death. If Lazarus dies, that's not the end. When we tell you it will not end in tears, when you cry, that's not the end. That's not the end. And the Bible actually shows us that Lazarus had died. And Jesus went uh, told his disciples oh Lazarus has actually died he knew he says Lazarus has actually died he says uh, let me go and wake him up and when Jesus had reached the place that, that was after 4 days Martha began to complain if you had come early Lazarus would not be dead only if you had come early in the prayer of believers this is where they attribute god's timing to be delayed you've delayed so who told you have delayed and jesus says to martha don't worry she's going to be alive he's going to be alive he will rise again and martha says oh yes i know he will rise again on the day of the resurrection I know he will rise again in the last days. I know he will rise again in the days of resurrection. And Jesus responds, "I am the resurrection and the life." The resurrection is not a death. It's a person. I'm here. I'm here. And he says, "Show me the tomb of Lazarus." And the tomb of Lazarus is shown. They say, "Row away the stone." It says Jesus, "It's been four days. 
there's going to be a bad smell. There's going to be a bad odor. He says, didn't I tell you that the glory of God needs to be revealed? Didn't I tell you in this story God's glory needs to be revealed? And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. The Bible tells us with one utterance, Lazarus therefore starts coming out. He starts walking out. Against the odds, somebody who's considered to be smelling, somebody who's considered to be to be rotten, comes out, and Jesus says, "Unwrap him and let him go." The Bible never shows us that anyone complained of Lazarus smelling. What happened to him? What did the glory do? What did it do? I'm here to encourage somebody that your story is meant for God's glory. Despite so many things that may be happening in your life, despite your story being unfavorable, you have to come to a place where you get to engage God like many people did in the scriptures. If God says the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter, hang on to that word. If God says yours is dominion, hang on to that word. He's showing you for you it will not end in failure. So if you experience failure, it's not the end. He's showing you that your situation will not end in destruction. But if you are seeing destruction, know that it's not the end. So what shall you do? Like many people in the Old Testament did. They demanded for God's presence. They didn't push him away. He said, Lord, I want you to be with me. Jabez said, Lord, I am tired of pain. Change my story. Change my story. Enlarge my territory. And everyone that demanded for God, we see a great result happen. Even the fallen Samuel, or rather the fallen Samson, demanded for God. His hair grew, but he knew it's not the hair he needs, it's the God. And he says, Lord, one last time, give me strength. I demand for you. The psalmist David understood that. And he kept on making constant declarations of how God is his refuge, his strength. How he cannot even put him aside. What is your declaration today? In that moment where things or rather the odds are against you, are you demanding for God? We are saying, Ish, let me just sort out myself. Let me leave myself and make sure all is well. In your education, where things are not going well, where you've got pressures, are you demanding for God? Or have you put God on a bench? And you say, I will attend to you after exam. How can you even honestly go and write an exam without God? Hey, how can you even study without God himself? 
in your business in your work work which is unfavorable who are you demanding for what are you demanding for and if you can demand for god and say lord show me your glory the odds are really going to change for your favor to some of you this is a prophetic message to some of you it's already a message that relates with your circumstance you may be going through something right now but you may not be going through something right now perhaps maybe in the future you have a proper ingredient of how to win against the odds demanding for god and allowing him to reveal his glory in your life let's rise to our feet